And I was so uh, blown away that I thought, you know, I'm going to create these vision boards. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hello everyone, my name is Pjali Mark. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Winitem and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Pierre. Hello, Josef. Good to be here. How are you? Well, I'm feeling great right now. I'm I'm happy to be to be here and be interviewed by you. Amazing to hear. And then let's jump into it. First thing first, the elevator pitch. What does your company, WinningTemp, do? So WinningTemp is an AI-powered platform. It measures and optimizes the employee experience, and we focus on reducing stress turnover and uh, also maximizing the profitability. So in short, you could say that if you look on impact metrics, we are looking at three things. We have seen 28% reduction of uh, negative stress. You've seen 25% improvement of work satisfaction and and also look on the employee turnover, it's 30% decrease. And that's um, the effect of using Winitan for just one year. Strong numbers. And this leads me into a bit of a storytelling, Pierre because I want to know how you ended up with the idea of Winning Temp. Yeah, so it was, um, if you go back to 2003, I was having my first uh, real job at a startup and I was part of this uh, national project to um, reduce sick leave in Sweden. I worked with that for four years and woke up one day, felt full of energy. Like uh, I really felt it was fun to go to work. Um, after that, uh, that, that's really where I felt my, I saw my passion. So in 2008, actually, I started my first uh, software company within learning management system and worked with uh, a co-founder, Ingve, for four and a half years. So we worked a lot with uh, introduction and onboarding programs. We were measuring this engagement. And many of those that bought our system, they had this challenge to, to retain their top talents. So after customer meeting, it was actually on a management meeting. Uh, I got this question, like the methodology you're working in this company, Foxshare, was an agile approach to get real-time data about employee experience. I was asked, can you do the same thing you're doing, this methodology to work on real-time data with organizational um, levels, like working with goals or follow-up? And uh, since I'm, you know, I'm a little boring system scientist guy, <laughs> I, uh, I said no, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought that, you know, Focusing on data, I was really interested on, on how you measure things, like measuring sales, measuring marketing, and so on. You, you really push on a button, and then you get this real-time data of that. So I was wondering, what, if you're working with your most important asset in your company, the people, why are you not doing the same thing? Why are you not getting that real-time uh, data in that way? So that was basically how the idea was born in uh, 2000, I think, 2000. 13, it, although it was earlier that this happened then. Thank you for sharing, Pierre, the story. In my podcast, I have 
two big segments and then I have some Kerbals and extra and fun things, etc. But the two big segments are leadership and business development. And it's time for the first part. So are you a good leader? Well, you, I think you have to ask other ones. But uh, if I say, uh, say uh, yeah, I, I would say. I would say that uh, for me, if I think about leadership, it's very much about leading people to, to a given result. So I think I've succeeded with that um, to get. Uh, probably if I look on right now on where we are in the world situation and results, maybe not. But looking on uh, the progress of Winning Temp and other companies, we've been growing really, really fast um, as a SaaS software company in Sweden. What would you say, or what have people around you said are your superpowers, if you just mention a few of them? Well, I would say first, uh, visionary leadership, a lot of passion, uh, creative, and think outside the box. I've also heard that many say that I'm inspirational as, as a leader, that I'm authentic, that I'm true to myself, um, high integrity, and also achiever and co- very competitive. So I'm quite demanding as leader. I've also heard that. <laughs> and if we, di- if we go one layer deeper here, we're talking about visionary leadership. C- can you share some, some like framework or best practices around how you work with that? Yeah, I, I think that uh, some of the visionary examples is that you, you actually you talk about the future very much. You talk about what's going to happen and you, you articulate that. So you can, you can visualize that. I, I like actually not uh, only to talk about uh, how you do it in communication by word, but I actually like very much to be uh, in, in photos, images, symbols, this kind of things when you, when you talk as a leader and, and also be futuristic in things that people might not have thought about, or this can be possible. So that kind of visionary. Sometimes uh, I think in the beginning, when people talk to me, they said to me, sometimes Pierre, you're, you're on the, you're on the marsh, but you need to be on earth. So, so I have tried to progress on that, but (laughs) but but I'm as a person, I think very much um, what's possible in the future. So very futuristic, I would say. And I, I, I found something here, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, from my point of view, I thought it was really interesting where you said, talk about the future much and adding photos and symbols. Because for me, th- then you make something that could be so abstract, very concrete. Do, do you think there is something here? Yeah, exactly. I think when you, like, if you're a visionary and you have this storytelling, you, you tell a story about something, and the way you understand is like, you can do it in words, of course, but you can also create uh, an image. So I, that's what I meant. I use very much video like you. I know you're expert in videos, uh, but I like videos. I like to, to be creative, create videos and communicate through videos and using uh, other you know, video material or photos, symbols to explain something. So that's just some, some examples of how people can get the same same view. But of course, sometimes by just using words, you need also to other people to use their imagine uh, sense also. So you can't you can't o- only use that. But in some way, when you need to be clear, because sometimes when you're visionary, it's not always so easy to get everyone to understand it. But I, th- but I also inspire and want people to also be visionary by thinking. And then I don't use that much of... Uh, photos, videos. And if we tap into uh, one of the other things uh, slash superpowers you mentioned, 
demanding and putting result, etc. Can you share some best practices here, how to really push your team, but not over push them? Uh, I usually, when if you take this example of if you want to hit the target and you're thinking, we want to jump, um, high jump, I think, like we want to ha- jump 230. Um, and, you know, that's, that's maybe the qualification <laughs> way of uh, coming to the finals. But if we're jumping 240, then, you know, we're in world class. So what I want to do is to push that. I want to push to say, okay, how do we come to two, 240? And, uh, of course, that could be quite demanding to say that because people would say, you know, it's not possible. But I think that by having people believing that it's possible, I think one way is, of course, showing the path of it, um, but also like balancing these two. So it, it won't be able to achieve 240 in jumping high uh, from the day one, but it's possible to see the improvement. So the improvement to that way, and that's the way we have to see it as leadership. We have to see the way to that success. And uh, a way to do that is, of course, measuring. So measuring the way to that path, but setting high bars, setting high standards and uh, saying, how can we improve? How can we improve? Like, that's demanding because you always see, what did we do here? If we, if we run to that target, how is the wind? How is the condition? How is the everything around us? Um, and um, getting people to really believe that. I think that's what we're going to say, balancing these two parts. Great, thanks. And then we move on to a bit more negative angle because everything isn't positive with leadership. It can be hard, it can be, yeah, different things. What is the worst thing or things about being a leader according to you? I would say the the worst thing is, of course, the downsides because you're, you're as a leader, you're going through the roller coaster ride uh that's the fun part as well you know going through the ups and downs but it's also challenging because you have a full responsibility you um always have to take these decisions you know you have to be very very quick to make changes and take decisions and also you as a leader you always as you need to be at your best because you're representing um you're representing something a, a leader represents so, and you need to be a role model, of course. So I can give you an example of, um, of that. Um, you know, it could be a, a down, a, a down can be that it could be something that is not a factor from your work or colleagues or something else, uh, there. It could be as simple as, uh, I had my mother was sick in cancer for, got the message of cancer a couple of months ago. And, you know, that impacts you. You get very, very negative energy. But at the same time, you also need to, to stay positive and be that um, upside of, of your leadership because people will affect, especially if you take the role of a CEO. Um, so if you come into the office after being at the hospital, you need to be positive, full of energy. And, uh, and that can be extremely tough. That's just a, maybe a, a very, very tough uh, downside. But I believe that you know how you work with your energy is a crucial factor for your success as a leader. And to be able to do that, uh, for me, as an example, is to have a very strong management team, people that might say to you, now you're low on energy, you need to go up energy, or maybe give energy or make inspiration to me or others and so on. Good mentors, board members. So you really can find that energy and and turn around. 
um, that I think that's uh, the things that maybe not everyone is talking about is the, the ups and downs, especially if you're an entrepreneur, CEO, founder, and so on, and maybe have created the company from, from the ground. You would say that how to get energy to tackle one of the toughest parts of being a leader, that is to yeah, basically have great people, the right people around you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, find people that give you energy, not uh, you know, taking energy. So have very strong people around you, the nearest people around. That's why I mentioned some, some of the group. But of course, to give you an example, when, when I came into to the office, when um, I had a bad day, it could also be sometimes that you go, you go around the office because you get that energy from people. So if you have recruited people that give you energy and have that positive you know, impact, really have the passion, love your product and so on, it comes, it comes automatically, I have to say. But really, really important to have them close, close to you, the one you work with. Before we leave in the leadership segment now, the last thing here to summarize before we move on, Pierre, if you need to summarize leadership with one word, what word would you choose? Passion. I think we'll leave it with that and move on to a topic of your choice. And now uh, we're going to take a couple of minutes and I want to hear you talk and dive a deep into something that you are nerdy and passionate about. So the floor is yours. Yeah, this is actually, you know, my nerdy passion has been going through different interest areas. So <laughs> if I would take my latest uh, nerdy passion about is actually vision board. And uh, in 2014, my, my sister gave me this uh, Christmas gift, uh, the book of Law of Attraction. Have, have you have you read that book or seen yeah, that book? Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm a Tony Robbins fan. So, yeah, I, I love the Law yeah. of Attraction. Yeah, you you love that, so you have read that. That's, that's great to hear because. Actually, I, I was not. Uh, I was not so uh, happy about this book because I, I, I read it at Christmas Eve, and I felt like, oh, this is this is too much hocus pocus, as we say in Swedish. Uh, I'm not that magical person that like this kind of uh, little fluffy uh, things. But it was actually that my my sister came to me and she said to me that you know I, I she's also an entrepreneur and she said to me I want to be I want to be this international influencer and I said what the is that you know <laughs> what is that and i helped her to start this company emitas and um, you know started building the website the blog the branding and everything and uh, she showed me this wonderful vision boards they were really really clear and she said this is what i want to do this is the number of followers i want on instagram this is what i want uh, to have uh, this brands i want to work with and i said yeah yeah of course uh, you will you will hit that but i was not convinced and the amazing thing is that she, in a very, very fast way, this was the year when I, before I started Winning Times, so I supported her with this company and she really hit the targets. One of the numbers that is amazing that I can just share is that she had very many followers. She went from 10,000 followers to, I think, 1.7 million followers on Instagram. Wow. And I was so uh, blown away that I thought, you know, I'm going to create these vision boards. Now I'm going to look into that. So... Maybe you, like you, I did uh, my research and watched those inspirational persons and tried to see how can I create my own uh, vision board. So why I'm nerdy and passionate about that is that I believe that the vision board is something you can build uh, in your company. You can build that for every employee. So today we're 115 employees. 
And I have said that everyone in Winitam should create the, the vision board. So, so far, I've been going through, I think, 80 persons in Winitam that I sit with a team of about eight persons where they uh, talk about their vision board. So um, maybe I can give some advice if you want to hear. <laughs> I can give some advice about what you can do. So if I would say my advice here uh, on how to work, because there are so many listeners probably have created their vision board and have their own uh, mythology for it. But I think uh, a way that works that I want to share is that, first of all, take, take like um, a paper and think about your inner inner motivation, your inner drive, like you said, and put a picture on it or put put uh, a symbol for it or maybe a big quote. So you write a quote in the middle and then you think about your strengths. You can use a model called Appreciate Inquiry and you can buy a book called um, Strength Finder or you can make a 360 uh, review. You can ask friends or your colleagues about this to find your five strengths. So you put your five strengths to the left on this paper, and then you take on the appreciated query things you want to improve. So you take two. So that's the uh, you know balance between five and two. So when you have done that, you think about your goals, and you put those goals in three circles. So the first circle is family, relationship, and these um, things where you put goals. In the middle, you can take your hobbies, um, something you really enjoy, maybe something you enjoy to do by yourself or maybe sports or uh, nerdy interests like I have. And the third uh, is, of course, you know, putting work. It could be studies or something like that. And when you create these goals, think about the inner motivation, think about your strengths and visualize these also by using photos, symbols, quotes. And that's the thing that I want to say. If you just do this, and you can also make it more complicated, <laughs> uh, you can, um, of course, create more vision boards. You can have one for your team. You can have one for your family. You can have one for each person, uh, as an example, in your family. But the thing I, I want to say here that I think been really, really working, and what I saw uh, with my sister working with this, was that how you work with it. Because if you work like um, doing an annual survey once a year or looking at a goal once a year, probably you'll not focus so much on, on the, these things. But if you do it every day, if you look at this vision board when you wake up and when you go to bed, it starts to be something else. Um, so that, I think, was um, some of the learnings I had when I created that, how you actually interact. So put it all above your bed. Have some of your vision boards if you do it, for example, with your family. It can be in the kitchen. Uh, if you have it with your team members, it can be in a room where you sit with your team members. Powerful. And uh, thank you for sharing these concrete steps because it's it's great. I'm I'm cutting my own podcast, so I can I can go back and listen again. And also for the listeners now, they can just scroll back if they want to hear it. So yeah, you dive deep here, Pierre. Thank you for sharing about your passion vision board maybe that will be the like sub top line for the episode because i haven't heard this angle yet in this podcast and i i love new things so we move on to the segment of external questions because i don't want just to be me shooting questions i want to lift in uh, smart cool other people hi pierre it's axel from tango scale i have a question for you here today so the question is 
There is a lot of talk about standing out when it comes to marketing. And what does this mean in practice for you? For me, it's about being authentic. Uh, we talked about vision. We talked about uh, also, I would say, adding values. So I believe that many tech companies out there, they're, they're well-funded. They have this uh, maybe excellent branding, invest very much in external firms, and they, they do an excellent job. But I think something that we see is that we can create real value for, for our customers. If we, if we think about that authenticity, what are we, um, what are we doing to, to our customers? What value do we create? So to give you some example, we are creating customer success webinars. We're doing these testimonials. We provide content in our product that customer can share and learn from. And I know that you also use it. You're really, really good at, you know, working with that, but. It's showing the real value from, from within, you know, talking about the vision, talking about the values and the real uh, brand building is the value that our customers is creating out there. So I think that really makes you stand out by, by doing this. Thank you so much, Axel, for your question. This means that we leave the segment of external questions behind us and entering the section of business development, because we are already here. We are talking about it. And KPIs, which top KPIs on a company level or on a CEO level are the most important for you? Yeah, of course, the KPIs, they, they change over time. So I have to say right now then, um, the thing that I would put number one is uh, we're working with our own tool, winning, winning temperature, if you would say that. So look at the culture, look at the the employee experience, improve that. Because if you have a strong, strong culture, high performing teams, and you can do magical things, like I said, having high, high standards, high bars, you can do everything with great people in the company. So um, that, of course, I would say the second one is MRR. That's the for South business to business sauce, uh, net MRR. And why is that? Because that, that includes so much. You think about the growth, you think about how, um, that will impact impact your business. Getting getting revenue is always good. Uh, NPS, uh, I would take some part because I think many SaaS companies out there are thinking about profitability, and that's also what we are doing. So I would say some of the metrics more of this, but of course, I think it's general good metrics to think about. I would say uh, NPS, Net Promoter Score, to see that your your customer really loves your product, and um, the usage of the product, the users are going through so the having the usage of it the one usage metric what is that for you yeah the usage metric is that how you you use it's both on the general product how you're using the whole product but like let's say that you you're launching a new feature in the product then of course you need to look at how is that used is, do we get that value of course um because if you're launching new innovative features or products um and people not using that, and you think that's going to be the, the path of, of growing, um, and you're not looking at these metrics, then it's extremely important. And I think also that that focus over time uh, is is shifting. So you need to be taking a good look at that. I would say also customer retention, when we look at contract renewal, and of course, uh, from a financial perspective, you know, making profitable customers, you need to look at the, uh, CAC, the payback, like customer acquisition cost and, and the payback. So the period of time to, to make that. Because if you look on different segments of customers, industries, size, uh, size of company, uh, and so on, you, uh, you have to 
keep track of of that customer acquisition because one one segment uh, if you look in the way we are in the world right now might be quite negative it might churn there so you need to have keep track of what what really is the stickiness what is really the value back to the um, value proposition yeah nice we have got a lot of kpis and explanations both on the product angle on the financial level and on the human level so thank you for sharing what would you say is the best way to do a cold outreach to you to get your attention and get you into a meeting Oh, to get to me, that's that's a good question. Actually, it is, uh, you know, when, when people pick up the phone and call, I get a lot of calls, but I, I really like people that call and call and call because then I think, oh, what is this? You know, <laughs> it's something important. Uh, so people that, that call me over and over, it works really good. Maybe some will listen now and call me a lot of times now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, SMS is good. SMS is good. When you, when you call me and call me and then you write an SMS, I, you know, uh, and I can't answer because I'm in a meeting. Um, you know, it's always you. You, you always um, try to to answer back and take that uh, call or meeting. So I think that's that's really really good. I, I also like that um, when I get uh, contacts on LinkedIn. I think that works really really well. So people that reach out. Um, but if I would give an advice, it would be that have short, crisp message. You know, the cold. Uh, the code should be the value proposition. If I if I feel that this is automated and this is sent out to one thousand CEOs, or I, I I wouldn't you know care about it so much. But if someone says you know I read about you um, within employee experience, or I saw that you're growing, or this kind of attention, um, so very short and crisp, I would say. The same with uh, SMS or recorded voice on the phone or uh, LinkedIn. I don't like this longer <laughs> longer uh, explanations that people give so either get find your phone number somewhere and just call and call and text to get your attention yeah. or linkedin and there when i get your attention on phone or on linkedin i should be direct and i should be personalized so i show that i've done some sort of research and then obviously the value propositions should be aligned what you think yeah exactly very short on the, 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 the value. Like you said, the, the elevator pitch, but really what is the, the, the three things that uh, you're creating value? Because I see so many miss that. So just came, come very short in the beginning of the text. This is what we can create as value. Nice. Then we have it here and we are entering here the roundup because we don't have so much time left and you are a busy person. And first thing here in the roundup, you're going to speak to yourself to your younger self, one to top three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know? That's a really good question. I think I could come up with two right now, but I would say the first one is to start with mentors early, really early. Um, for, for an example, I was not so good at sales in, in the first company startup. I really sucked, you know, I'm a tech founder, not the best at, at that point. <laughs> So, so uh, I actually had uh, I had a little luck because I, I, I came in contact with, I would say, one of the best uh, sales mentors, sales coach in Sweden, uh, where I worked both in the second company and then now in, now in Winning Temp as well, worked with this person, helped me to build a sales organization, helped me to build a sales culture. You know, I did a lot of sales, uh, especially in the early days. So being improved 
that. Just another example of a mentor. When, when I sold my uh, company back in 2013, very much about the, the energy that I talked about uh, before, I really felt, you know, empty inside because you have built something and then you, uh, in a sudden, uh, don't work with that anymore. So the reason why I, I mentioned this is that it was such a game changer for me because when I had this energy coach and uh, advisor, because I wanted to think about my next journey, which was actually winning temp then, it was the best investment I could do because I, I really, I really had so much about how to work with energy uh, in your daily, uh, daily way that that was starting uh, from, from that day to be a success factor for me because it's so tough. It's so tough for those who are entrepreneurs who are building their first company or have done their second or third company. It's so, it, it, no matter what, it's so tough. And the second, uh, second thing then would be that, like I also were, I were already in this, into this topic, but you no, know, start selling. Uh, I was in the startup that went to bankruptcy, uh, the first one. So, uh, it was to, you know, go out and sell something like called Air Castle. You know, you don't have anything. You just have a PowerPoint or an idea on a paper. Go out and sell that, uh, as if you could do that as early as possible. You have saved many years, many years. I know that's the, the number one success factor. Amazing. And I love, I love your quote here. I'm going to think of and reuse it. Start selling the air castle as soon as possible. Yes. Exactly. Only two things left in here. Uh, and th this second last question is just me fishing for other cool guests. So, so I want to know which other two B2B socios do you think are interesting and doing cool stuff and would like to listen to if I would interview them here in B2B SaaS CEOs? I would say the first person is a person that I, I, I don't know him so well, but I had some, some meetings with him and it's Erik Surien. Uh, he did, uh, he was the CEO on, on Lime for many, many years and now he works at Montero. But when I talk to him, I, I really feel that he's a, he's a smart smart person in SaaS. He's a lot of experience, and he works also also with the culture and values with a big focus on MPs. And I also have some some uh, MPs that been working in Lime, um, and uh, they they talk about this. So so I think that's a good. Uh, the second one is Sara Aretson. I don't know her. She's the CEO of Team Taylor, but I'm very curious about her because she works within the same same feel as me, you know, HR tech, and uh, they're really growing really, really fast. And I think she also has a background in Fort Knox, if I remember correct. Yeah, both Fort Knox and uh, PayPal. No, no, uh, ISET. ISET, yeah. It would be uh, amazing to, to listen to these two, two persons. Thank you for the names. And this means the very last question, where will you, Winning Temp, be in five years? I would say that we're the leading solution if we say the employee engagement platform uh, in the world. So being um, the number one, we're, we're currently in, in Europe right now, uh, but being outside. So USA, Asia, and so on. Biggest in the world, not just Europe. I wish you the best of luck with that, Pierre. And with these words said, I'm shifting the focus to you who has been listening out two things. Number one, press the subscription button and number two tell a friend or colleague to listen to pierre in b2b sauce ceos and pierre a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me 
to help the SaaS community and me to keep on learning. Thank you very much, Yusuf. It's been an honor to be to be on your podcast and uh, great also to, to listen to your great episodes. So thank you very much. So-